I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal. This is your Peak Daily for Thursday, June 15th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay and Pete Pals, the next time you're too tired to cook yourself dinner, think about the Nigerian chef who set the Guinness World Record for consecutive hours of cooking. Her total stint in the kitchen, 93 hours she was making traditional Nigerian dishes like jollof rice and akara. And Jay, I got a question for you. What dish would you or could you cook and hopefully eat for 24 hours straight? First of all, 93 hours is just so long. Yeah. Like that's just so long. I'll tell you the thing that I like to when I have lots of time, which means usually over the summer when the kids are not around, I really like cooking paella. That's good. There's like a whole process to it. It takes a whole day to shop for it. It takes a while to cook. And I just love the whole process and it comes out looking beautiful. So that's mine. What about yours? Well, I haven't done this because the dishes I cook are all very quick. I don't try to do anything particularly fancy, but I am thinking about some of the longer dishes that have been cooked for me. And I think right up there is brisket. Brisket, it's a full day affair. The people who make it for me have to wake up super early and they have to get it ready and they got to put it in the big green egg and leave it there for hours and chicken on it. So if you were looking for the easiest one to beat this record, then you can do a couple briskets and that should count. Brett, are you just fishing for a invitation to like a Passover Seder or <laughs> a Rosh on a dinner? Because you could just say so. You can come whenever you want. There it uh, is. Well, I, I have yet to receive an invite from you, Jay. So it's, uh, we'll see what happens next year. I didn't know your brisket fantasies were, were so strong, but, <laughs> but next time you are invited. Brett, aside from brisket at our house on a Jewish holiday, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For first story, bayflation. For our second story, regulation is knocking on AI's door. And for our last story, Toyota's CEO says EVs aim to go farther. For our first story, Sweden's annual core inflation rate fell just 0.2% last month, a notably smaller drop than analysts expected. Experts now have one irreplaceable theory for why this happened, Brett. This one is a surprise. It would surprise me too, and I'm sure it's going to surprise many of the peak pals out there. So believe it or not, some Swedish central bankers are blaming Beyonce. Yes, that Beyonce for the country's stubbornly high inflation last month, arguing that her two performances in Stockholm, which kicked off her Renaissance world tour, contributed to increased spending. <laughs> this one's great. With 46,000 stands or members of the Bayhive, uh, swarming the city per night, hotels prices surged while restaurants were flooded. Collectively, these two sectors added 0.3% to May's core inflation rate in Sweden. A chief economist at Donsk, Donsk Bank estimates Queen Bay drove over 0.2% of the 8.2% core inflation rate all by herself, though her economic impact has yet to show up in other countries she's performed in. Sounds like that guy's just mad he didn't have tickets. And it matters because stadium-filling concerts have become massive economic drivers for cities, drawing throngs of travelers spending thousands of dollars apiece to see their favorite acts. It's common for major sporting tournaments to have the power to skew economic statistics, but it's been particularly unheard of for single events. In Canada, Beyonce comes to Toronto in July and Vancouver in September. So our advice for Tiff Macklin or TMAC is to account for that when reviewing those months' inflation numbers. Also, if you know of anywhere we can score a ticket for under $700, you know, let us know. Jay and I will go, we'll go with whoever wants to go with us and give us that advice. And let's bring brisket. Yeah. For our second story, right now, AI research and development is kind of like the Wild West, but a hotshot sheriff in the EU just rode on into town to lay down the law. And my only question, Jay, is who's getting arrested? 
Well, not yet, at least. So EU lawmakers approved a draft law known as AI Act, as the AI Act, which aims to be the world's first comprehensive regulation on the development and use of AI. Any product or service using AI would fall under the act and be categorized based on the riskiest uses. Now, among other things, the draft bans the use of AI for public surveillance, facial recognition, databases, predictive policing, and black mirror-ish kind of social scoring. It also governs AI development, forcing organizations to ensure their tech won't generate illegal content and to disclose what copyrighted data they've used to train their AI. If the draft passes as is, companies could face fines of up to 6% of total global revenue for non-compliance and potentially be first to withdraw apps from the market in severe cases. And this all matters because the EU has a reputation as a regulation trendsetter. As the first law of its kind, the AI Act will set the tone worldwide, as one lawmaker put it, for future AI rules elsewhere in the world. The Act's passage could give Canada a well-needed kick in the behind to get going on its own AI regulation, which was tabled last year as part of a broader regulatory act, but has been criticized by experts for lacking details and already being outdated. Now, what's next? Well, the EU Parliament will begin negotiations as soon as possible with both the European Commission and member nations to agree on a final version of the Act, which is expected to pass this year. Companies will likely get two years to get their affairs in order. And for our third and final story, just six months after Toyota CEO expressed he was, let's say, less gung-ho for electric vehicles than other car makers, the company has entered the scene in a big way. Here's what's driving the news, Jay. With EV hesitant, Akio Toyota out, the company has announced technologies that aim to improve driving range and cut costs for EVs arriving in 2026. Both are two top obstacles that have slowed down the rate of EV adoption around the world. By developing better batteries, the company is targeting vehicles with a range of about 1,000 kilometers, up from a standard range of about 500 or 550 kilometers, which is standard in the industry right now. The solid-state batteries are considered to be a next-generation improvement on today's liquid-based lithium-ion batteries. They charge faster, and they can hold more energy. And for people that can't part with gearboxes or worry engines, Toyota is also working to create EVs that can simulate the manual driving experience. The system can genuinely stall if you fumble the controls, so you better watch out for that, Brett. Although that feature might not make it into the final product. The bottom line is, for now, Tesla is the top-selling EV brand in the world. But as the competition for EV supremacy heats up, our bet is that whatever company can turn out the most affordable and efficient cars will come out on top. So your move, Elon. Big Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you get a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett. Have a great Thursday, Peak Pals.